Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. Happy Easter. It feels so good to have the opportunity to actually be together this year. And if you showed up or you are watching online today because you saw a video this week with Jerry Gergich from Parks and Rec and you're wondering where he is, Uncle Jerry couldn't make it. I'm just kidding. He's not actually my uncle. We used an app called Cameo. He made a special video for Collective. Also, a lot of people saw that and like, I don't know who Jerry Gergich is and I'm judging you. Um, you actually need to leave right now and just go home and watch Parks and Rec. It's okay. Like, I, I'm not gonna be upset if you walk out and just binge all of it today. Trust me, it'll be worth it. This might be good too, but if you're gonna stay, just make sure, get home, watch Parks and Rec. That's your uh, Easter takeaway for today. A few years ago, I was hanging out with my mentor and I was talking about some difficult people that I was encountering and how I felt like nothing I said or did mattered. And he gave me the weirdest advice. He told me that 6% of people believe in unicorns. And honestly, I was very confused as to why this was relevant. But then he asked me how big Collective was at the time and we were around 300 people. So he followed up by saying, that means 18 people that go to Collective believe that unicorns are real, and it clicked. He was telling me that uh, there are just gonna be some people that have beliefs that don't make sense, right? That have no foundation, that come from a cartoon they watched or something they read online at www.unicornsarereal.net or something that maybe their parents believed. And so I looked it up this week just to make sure, and it's true, 6% of people believe that unicorns are real. That means there are about 12 people in this building right now that believe that. And before you look around, you're not gonna be able to look and like notice which person believes in unicorn. Also, unicorn believers are also looking around right now to kind of throw you off their trail. But I'm not even sure that's the weirdest belief that people have. 36% of people believe in UFOs. 24% of people believe that dinosaurs and man hung out together, which I can kind of understand because most of you grew up like on Flintstones or Jurassic Park, and so in your brain, it's all history. Uh, how about this? This is one of my favorites. 18% of people still believe the sun revolves around the earth. That was disproved in 1543. And this one's actually my personal favorite. Nearly 30% of people believe that cloud computing involves actual clouds. Like your password is just like stored up in the sky somewhere. And here's what all of this points out. Belief is a tricky thing, right? Belief is a tricky thing and belief in God is no different. Belief in Jesus is no different. Belief that Jesus will keep his promises is no different. Over the past four weeks, we've been in this series called Promises. And we've looked at some of the promises that God made to his people in the Bible. And we've focused on four of them. The promise that you won't be abandoned, that you are loved, that you have purpose, that your sadness will turn to joy. But the question that's running through a lot of your minds is, How do we know? How can we believe that Jesus will keep his promises? Because when we hear the promises that God makes, we feel a little bit like a little kid who's afraid to be let down, right? And so we ask God, do you really promise? Do you promise that you won't abandon me? 
Are you sure? Because everyone else in my life has. Do you promise that you love me? There are 7.6 billion people on the planet and I know what a screw up I am. Do you mean it? Even when I'm unlovable, do you still love me? Do you promise that you'll give me purpose, that I can make an impact in this world that goes beyond my paycheck and all I have to do is stay connected to Jesus? Do you promise that my sadness will actually turn to joy or will I be stuck feeling this sorrow forever? And all of these things get into a deeper issue where you're thinking, can I believe God? Right? Can I believe God? And while you want it all to be true, you just aren't sure that you can believe him. And here's why. Because so many promises have been made to you that have been broken. Right? Because you stood in front of a preacher and you said, until death do us part, but apparently for the other person, it meant until something better comes along, do us part. Or there's a person in your life that you care about, but they can't keep a promise to save their life. I'll be at your game. I'll pay for your college. We'll go out for drinks this weekend. Nope, nope, nope. And you've had so many broken promises in your life that you have trained yourself not to believe the promises that anyone makes, including God. So when you hear me talk about the great things that God has promised, you're thinking, that sounds wonderful, but can I believe God? So as we wrap up this series today, we're gonna talk about the most important and life-changing promise of all time, the promise that all the other promises hinge on, the promise that Jesus would die and resurrect from the dead three days later. Because if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, why would you believe anything else that he said or did or promised? And Easter is the day that we set aside every single year to remember that Jesus conquered death as evidence and proof that he is the son of God and will keep all of his promises. So let's jump in. Throughout Jesus's three years of ministry, he constantly made promises about his death, burial, and resurrection. In Mark 8, it says, then Jesus began to tell them that the son of man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. John 2, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. What, they exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. Matthew 20, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the son of man will be betrayed to the leading priests and teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. So Jesus says over and over and over again, I promise you that I will be arrested. I promise you that I will be put on trial. I promise you that I will be killed. And I promise you that I will come back. But what if you were there? Right? What if you were one of Jesus's 12 disciples? Because we have the benefit of the Bible so we can read how it all plays out. But that's not what they had. They had Jesus's word. That's it. And so imagine it's a Thursday night and you're chilling with Jesus like you've been doing for three years. And while you're eating, he's getting super sentimental and super spiritual. Side note, have you ever had one of those dinners before? Maybe not the spiritual part, but the sentimental part. Like you're eating dinner with some friends or some family and then someone starts reminiscing and sharing about how much they love and appreciate you. It freaks you out, right? You assume 
that something is wrong. A few years ago, right after Harper was born, we were at Black Hog, and our friend Chris was looking at Harper, and he started crying and said, she's just so beautiful. And immediately we thought, Chris is dying, right? I mean, Harper is beautiful, but we're in the middle of a barbecue restaurant, and he's weeping over our kid's beauty. And so that's kind of what is happening with Jesus. He's having this moment with them, and they're actually taking communion together. And Jesus is saying, again, the son of man will die. I will die, but you still don't get it. And then dinner ends, you go outside, and one of your friends, Judas, switches sides and hands Jesus over to the authorities. And Jesus gets arrested, just like he promised. Then on Friday, you watch as he is put on trial, and the crowd starts shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He is mocked, beaten, and humiliated. They put nails through his hands and his feet on a cross, and you watch him breathe his last breath, and he's dead. But then they take a spear and jab it into the sack around his heart just to make sure he is dead before taking him off the cross and placing him into a borrowed tomb, just like he promised. And then Saturday comes. And do you know what happened on Saturday? Nothing. Nothing happened. And again, imagine how you would have felt in that moment. Right? Jesus, you promised you would be arrested, and you were. Jesus, you promised you'd be crucified, and you were. You promised you'd be buried, and you were. Jesus, you promised you'd come back. Where are you? Jesus, I'm, I'm scared. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I can't do this without you. And do you know what came from heaven on Saturday? Nothing. Silence. How real does that feel? And remember, the disciples are normal people, right? They're just like you and me. You have to assume that they looked up at dead, broken, beaten Jesus on a cross and started to think, I guess I bet on the wrong horse. That's what I would have thought. And you know, that's when doubt starts to set in. Jesus, I believed that you were going to take care of me. Jesus, I believed you were the savior of the world. I believed you would make a difference in my life. I believed you could save me. How is dead and buried Jesus going to do anything in my life? I don't know what to believe anymore. So let me ask you, do you know what Saturday feels like? Some of you don't have to imagine what the disciples felt like because you know. Some of you are in that place right now. It's the lowest moment. It's the darkest day. It's the most painful hour. That's Saturday. Ray and I moved to Frederick five years ago on March 19th. We packed up our house in Annapolis and we moved with our almost one-year-old to a city where we didn't know anyone in order to follow what God was asking us to do, to plant a new church for the rest of us, for the misfits, for the broken, for the lost, for the skeptical, for the searching. On March 20th, the next morning, I got a phone call from my mom saying I needed to get to a hospital in Arlington because my dad was in surgery and they didn't know if he was gonna be okay. And I remember driving on 270 as fast as I could. It was one of the longest drives of my life as I went through every emotion possible, fear, sadness, regret, anger, because my family had literally just moved to a new city to start a church for God. And a day later, I'm praying to him that my dad lives. And I felt like, I feel like this is what Saturday felt like for the disciples. It's when you see that the pregnancy test is negative again after years of trying. It's the first night alone in your bed after the divorce. It's the moment your loved one is lowered into the ground and everything and everyone else has left, but you are still standing there. It's when you get to your car after you lost your job and you don't know what to do. It's when you're sitting in a dark room alone wondering if anyone would notice if you ended your life. 
It's when the friend betrays you and you don't have anyone else to talk to. That's what Saturday feels like. So now, today, we call the Friday before Easter Good Friday. But what do we call Saturday? <laughs> do you know what I call it? Real life. Right? Have you ever been there before? You begged God. You believed. You had confidence that God would do and say and fix the things that you really needed him to. But it didn't happen. Or maybe it wasn't happening as fast as you had hoped. Or it simply wasn't happening the way that you had prayed. And you aren't sure what to believe anymore. Right? You aren't sure if you can trust him because he either didn't, couldn't, or wouldn't take care of you. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Because I know I've been there. But here's the good news. Here's why we celebrate Easter every year. Here's why today matters. Because the story doesn't end on a Saturday. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. I want to read those last two verses again. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. You see, if the story ends on a Saturday, Jesus is a liar. If the story ends on a Saturday, he's a con artist. If the story ends on Saturday, he's just like everyone else in our life that makes promises and then doesn't come through. But that isn't how the story plays out. Jesus conquered death on a Sunday, just like he had promised. And listen, I don't have deep theology, right? You stick around here long enough, and you'll probably whisper to the person next to you, he really doesn't. He's a really simple person. I know, okay? Here's my theology. If you get nailed to a cross and die, and then three days later raised from the dead like you told me you would do, I will believe anything you say. I will call you God. I will worship you. I will start a church in your name. Because if you can keep that kind of promise, why would I doubt that you would keep every other promise that you made to me? Doesn't that make sense? And listen, I know some of the more skeptical people are thinking, but you didn't see it happen, and you're right. You're right, I didn't physically see it happen, but the disciples did. And they died for that belief. They didn't have anything to gain by telling other people about the resurrected Jesus, but they died terrible deaths because they refused to deny what they saw. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten and then crucified. James, the son of Alphaeus, was stoned to death. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. John was exiled for his faith and died alone. Matthew and Thomas were speared to death. Peter, Philip, and Simon were crucified, and Matthias was stoned to death, right? And so I get that some of you are skeptical, and that's fine. Collective is a place where you can belong before you believe. But let me ask you a question. What belief would you die for, right? How confident would you have to be in something to actually be executed for that belief? Let me ask it like this. For the 12 of you who believe in unicorns, would you give up your life for that belief, right? If someone told you that they were gonna execute you because of your belief in sparkly, flying, rainbow-pooping, one-horned horses, how confident would you be? 
right? Would you recant? Would you quickly switch sides? For the 18% of people who believe the sun revolves around the earth, would you die for that belief? For the 30% of people who think the cloud is an actual cloud, actually, I'll just solve this one for you right now. It is not an actual cloud. But do you see where I'm going with this? The people who were there, the people who heard the promises Jesus made, then watched them play out were all murdered because they refused to lie about what they saw. He was seen, so our hope is real. He was seen, so his promises are true. He was seen, so we can trust him. The reason we believe the promises of God is because he bet his own life on them. He said, I promise you that I will die, then I will conquer death so that you can trust me. And then he did it. And because Jesus resurrected from the dead, we can believe what he taught us. We can believe what he promised us. We can believe that God truly does love us. We can believe that although Saturday is the darkest day, resurrection is coming. We can believe that God will conquer death so that we can experience grace. So we can experience grace. Grace meaning endless second chances. Grace is fresh starts. Grace is the truth that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Grace is getting something better than what we deserve. You see, we don't deserve any of the promises that God makes us. Those aren't earned. They're freely given because of a God who loves us. James says it like this. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. And trust me when I say that I don't understand why we, this broken mess of a group of people, are God's prized possession. But Jesus' promises to us are not based on our behavior or our faith. They're not. So for those of you who are thinking through the reasons why you don't deserve love and why you don't deserve grace, and for those of you who are thinking, but Michael, you don't know what I've done. Right? My wife doesn't know. My husband, my kids, my parents, they have no idea what kind of person I actually am. I think I'm beyond saving. God knows. God knows we're gonna screw up. God knows we aren't perfect. God knows that we're gonna choose our way over his way over and over again. And he still kept his promises. It's this weird thing where it's all about us, but not because of us at the same time. It's all about us because Jesus will do everything he can to be in a relationship with us, even giving up his own life. But it's not about us because it's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we deserve. The truth is, it's not even something that we can lose. That's grace. And there is nothing better. And if you don't follow Jesus, here's what we want you to know today. Plain and simple, Jesus loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He knows how broken you are. He knows the mistakes you have made and will make. And with all of that in mind, he died and conquered death so that you could experience the life that he has to offer. During our two services today, uh, we've been able to celebrate two baptisms earlier, and we have one more coming during this service. And baptism is the physical expression of faith that you have in Jesus. And it represents the death and burial of our own selves and our own spiritual resurrection into new life, right? Because Jesus didn't just die and resurrect to prove that he is the son of God. He didn't just die and resurrect to prove that he's the savior. He did it so that we could experience resurrection for our own souls, so that we could experience grace. And that's what Mike and Phil and Liz are choosing today. They're choosing grace. They're choosing new life. They're choosing to trust in Jesus's promises. So during first service, we baptized Mike. 
At age 10, Mike watched his mom pass away from cancer, and because of a family fight, he wasn't actually able to attend the funeral. Between ages 10 and 15, he ran away from home multiple times. Eventually, he turned to drinking and drugs, and for 40 years, he did anything to self-destruct. As he puts it, he had no hope and struggled with thoughts of suicide, depression, and PTSD. In 2015, a man he worked with helped him start on a road to recovery after finding him on the bathroom floor surrounded by empty bottles. Three months ago, he came to the Frederick Rescue Mission, and he came to the realization that there's been one vital missing piece in his recovery journey all along, Jesus. And this is the part that gets me about his story. Mike told us that he no longer wants to be labeled Mike the alcoholic, but Mike saved by Christ. The second baptism we celebrated earlier was Phil. Phil abused drugs for most of his life, but his last relapse was worse. He has two kids, and he wants to be a part of their life, and he doesn't want to be the reason why they hurt. And Phil is seeing God take something terrible, his own addiction, and God is redeeming that by helping Phil realize that even though he has lost so many of the good things in his life because of his own decisions, he still has everything that he needs. And he got baptized today to let God know that God's gonna get everything he has from here on out. And in just a few moments, we're gonna celebrate Liz as she gets baptized. Liz has been in church for a lot of her life, but after she got divorced, she felt like she was too broken to be a part of church. After getting remarried, she began to get back into church and was invited to collective by some of her neighbors. She started getting involved during the pandemic and walked into collective for the first time on opening day. And she told us that she cried because she felt ready to be devoted to God in the way that she always wanted to be. Three people with very different stories, with varying levels of belief and trust in Jesus, but three people who have been through Saturday moments. Right, Three people who have felt the heaviness of life, but who are ready to declare their faith in Jesus today. And they're not making this decision because they're perfect. They're not making this decision because they don't still have doubts. They're simply making this decision because the faith they have that Jesus is the son of God and he keeps his promises. And so for some of you, that's your next step, right? That's why you're here today. You thought you were showing up because your parents made you. because the girl that you're dating wanted you to be here. Maybe because you felt guilty, whatever it is, maybe you need to hear today that Jesus keeps his promises and he promises that grace can be yours. And if you are ready to accept that gift, if you're ready to declare that, if you're ready to have resurrection in your own life, check the baptism box in your digital connection card and we will follow up and have a conversation with you this week. So God became man and lived among us. His claims were so outlandish that they killed him. But the last enemy to be defeated was death when he rose from the grave. It's not wishful thinking or a fairy tale. It was a promise that he kept and it confirmed all his other promises, that you are deeply loved, that you will not be abandoned, that you have purpose, that your sorrow will turn to joy, that you are his prized possession, that you can experience grace, that you can have new life, that hope is real, that Saturday will give way to Sunday morning and the greatest promise of all time, that Jesus has conquered death so that we can experience life. Let's pray. God, we don't, um, we don't really understand why you keep your promises. Because the truth is, God, we, we experience broken promises all the time. God, we, we break promises all the time. And yet here you are, the savior of the world, 
promising us joy, promising us grace, promising us hope, and then backing it up by putting yourself on a cross and dying just so you can resurrect three days later to prove that these promises are real. God, we don't understand it. God, the truth is we don't deserve it, and we know that. But God, we're just so thankful that we get to have those. God, we're thankful for days like today where we get to celebrate the promise that came true when you resurrect from the dead so that we can believe all the other promises that you make us. God, I pray this week as we leave this place that we hold on to the promises that you give us rather than the ones that have been broken by other people or broken by this world. God, I pray that we hold on to the promise that grace is available for all of us no matter how messed up and broken that we are. And the reason why that's true is because you love us. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to give up his own life so that we could experience resurrection. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen.